Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. and make a point of mentioning how Kentucky Changers had an impact on my life. I got to go to Changers for the first time. Uh, I was probably 15 or so years old, maybe 16. Uh, This church sent me and I got to spend the whole week. I had all these groups going out into the community and doing all this wonderful work. And my team got to stay at the school all week long. Me and Pawnee Vickers, do you remember this, Pawnee? Me and Pawnee Vickers, Charles Stargell, and whoever else from around the state was on our team. We never left the school all week. But it was an awesome week. And after that, it made such an impact on me as I continued to go back throughout high school. And when I was in college, I took a group from the church I was in then. And I'm a big proponent of changers because you go to minister to these families to hopefully change them for the sake of Christ. But you're the one that comes back home changed. That's typically how these missions work. Wonderful, wonderful thing. What a great uh, day to be here at First Baptist Church. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. I know this weekend is a big travel weekend. A lot of families on vacation. So I really do appreciate you being here this morning. And if you're sitting at the beach or at the lake and watching online, God bless you. We really feel for you for not being here this morning. But... There's, there's been this debate that's going, been going on for generations now, and it's, it's kind of reached even higher levels in, in recent days um, among the young pastors and theologians of the day. And it revolves around the inclusion of anything patriotic in the church. Now, let me give you an example. There, there, I'm talking, there's some fierce debates. If you get on the internet and look at some of the stuff the pastors are going back and forth with, it's unreal. And, and for example, some debate the very presence of the American flag inside the, the sanctuary, for example. They, they call this, a, this inappropriate idol that we're setting up inside the church. Some will say that there's, there's no need for patriotic songs or patriotic sermons. They should never be used in a worship service because they detract from God's glory and from the gospel of Christ and this and that. You probably know where me and Shane stand on this. In case you don't, here's how we feel. We believe that God has greatly blessed the United States of America. Graciously blessed our nation. And we believe that a lot of that does stem from the founding of our our nation on religious liberty and on the principles of God's word and how we've been a people throughout our history bent on liberty and especially religious liberty. And, And we believe that it's been our freedom and our religious liberties throughout the years that have, coupled with God's blessings of course, that have allowed us to have the things that we have like these wonderful facilities and that have enabled us to to partner with other like-minded congregations and and become the premier sending nation of missionaries in the world and to allow us as Southern Baptists to have the premier sending agency of missionaries in the world. And so like kind of the way the Apostle Paul teaches his readers about their civic duties, 
we feel that the church today probably should be the one organization that teaches Americans how to be good, godly citizens, while also being citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Because I'll be honest with you folks, there are going to be very few other organizations that are going to teach you how to be godly and teach you how to be a patriot, and how those two things can align. Uh, That being said, uh, let's look at another minor prophet this morning. God bless America. Last week we're in the book of Jonah. This week we're going to be over in the book of Amos. Uh, The prophet Amos, if you want to flip there, he writes to the nation of, of Israel, very specific mission, writing to the kingdom of Israel during his own lifetime. Now, I, I kind of prefaced all the American stuff because I wanted to say this as we turn to our text. Um, there's a distinction that needs to be made when you read Scripture and, and you, you think about where you are today and where we are as a people. And I want us to understand that, that, that Amos is not writing to us specifically. He is, because it's God's Word, and all of God's Word is useful and profitable, but he's not writing to American Christians in 2023. He's writing to uh, his own people. Actually, he was from Judah. We'll talk about that. But he's writing to Israelites in his day. But you can always build a bridge, right? As you go from... you know, today the words of Amos then to our context now. And that's what I want us to understand. It's kind of how hermeneutics are supposed to work. Bible study is supposed to work. We first sit down and we consider everything that the author is saying to his own audience in their own context, in his own day and time. And we ask the first question, what does that mean for them? Okay, when we can finally answer that question and understand from their point of view... With, with that in mind, we began to build these bridges that cross time, that cross culture, that cross translation. And you put all of these interpretive factors together and you start wrapping your, your brain around that. And finally, you can ask the question, okay, what does all of that now mean for me? And on Sunday morning, more often than not, you get more of the what does this mean for me when me and Shane have to go back and, and do the back study on the rest of it, Okay. So this morning we're going to build that bridge from Amos chapter 5 to the United States of America in 2023. Let's read Amos chapter 5 together, verses 1 through 17. He says, listen to this message and notice that I'm singing for you. A lament house of Israel. She has fallen. Virgin Israel will never Rise again. She lies abandoned on her land with no one to raise her up. For the Lord God says, The city that marches out a thousand strong will only have a hundred left, and the one that marches out a hundred strong will only have ten left in the house of Israel. For the Lord says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal or journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will spread like fire throughout the house of Joseph. It will consume everything with no one at Bethel to extinguish it. I know we say Bethel, but they tend to say Bethel. Those who turn justice into wormwood also throw righteousness to the ground. 
The one who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns darkness into dawn and darkens day into night, who summons the water of the sea and pours it out over the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. He brings destruction on the strong and it falls on the fortress. They hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate. And they despise the one who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and exact a grain tax from him, you will never live in the houses of cut stone you have built. You will never drink the wine from the lush vineyards you have planted. For I know your crimes are many and your sins are innumerable. This is getting very encouraging at this point. They oppress the righteous, take a bribe, and deprive the poor of justice at the city gates. Therefore, those who have insight will keep silent at such a time, for the days are evil. Pursue good and not evil, so that you may live. And the Lord, the God of armies, will be with you as you have claimed. Hate evil and love good Establish justice at the city gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, the Lord, the God of armies, the Lord says, there will be welling in all the public squares. They will cry out in anguish in all the streets. The farmer will even be called on to mourn and professional mourners to wail. There will be welling in all the vineyards, for I will pass among you. The Lord has spoken. Man. The prophet Amos is a very interesting, he's really a unique prophet among the prophets. He was not a professional prophet that had been trained up in all of these things. He says he's not a prophet or the son of a prophet. Most people agree that he was just an ordinary man, perhaps even an ordinary shepherd, who lived just south of Bethlehem. And God called this everyday, ordinary man to go and to prophesy, not, only, not to his own people in the southern kingdom of Judah that we've been reading about, but to cross over to the northern kingdom of Israel and prophesy to them about what God was going to do if they didn't straighten up. And so throughout his prophecy, if you go back and read the early chapters, he very explicitly points out all of the sins of the kingdom of Israel and how they desperately now needed to turn back to God and be saved, be spared from his judgment. Now understand me very clearly when I say this, because I, I never want us to read ourselves into what we're reading in the Bible. Okay? Make sure we understand it within its own context. It's not always about us, but it does apply to us. Amos is writing to the people of the nation of Israel in his day. Understand, church, when you read the Word of God, the United States is not Israel. We get that mixed up sometimes in our reading and our, our understanding. But all of these things that Amos is laying out, all of these principles within his prophecy against Israel in that day do apply to us in the United States in 2023. So the fact that God hates sin in the days of Amos has not changed. God still hates sin today in 2023. The, the, the truth that God desired those people to be saved in Amos' day and turn to Him, is the, it, God's still the same. And He wants you to turn to Him and be saved today just as much. So with all that in mind, there's four things I want to point out today that apply to the United States of America. And the first one is so encouraging. You're going to love this. America may fall. Please don't fire me until you hear the rest of this point. 
As you can imagine, Amos' message was not a very popular message in his day. This is not a very popular thought in today's world either, in the United States. But what I mean by this is not that America is on the brink of failure. We're not on the brink of collapse. We've come close a few times. But I think we've still got a ways to go. What I mean by this is, is, is there is a, a very real possibility. Because this is permitted and possible. That the United States could fall at some point. And I can remember as a kid... I remember someone talking about this and, and, and hearing these words. They were talking about how, how we had this, this idea of self-government, this experiment in self-governance. You've all heard that. And they talked about all the great empires throughout history, how they all succumbed to self-destruction and implosion and they, they eventually fell and how after, you know, eventually this will most likely happen to us too in America. And I heard that and I thought, you blasphemer can't say that about the United States of America. Don't you know how great we are? Don't you know this is the greatest nation on planet earth? Don't you know we're God's people? This is God's country. We can't fall. Hear me clearly this morning. There is no nation. There's no kingdom. There's no power on planet earth that is too great that it cannot fall because of its sin. Because of their sin, God allowed His own chosen people to fall. To the point that they were carried away from their homes into exile. And for a season of history, the nation of Israel as we know it, did not exist until May 14th, 1948. As a nation, I I believe that we have helped further the kingdom of God throughout our history. I believe that with all my heart. But understand, the kingdom of God is not dependent on our success as a nation. In our text, God's telling Israel through the prophet Amos that because of her many sins, which he again spells out in the first chapters of the book, if she does not repent and turn back to God, that she will certainly face destruction and hardship and the nation, the kingdom will fall. And folks, if that can happen to Israel, I tend to think that it can happen to us. If we as a people do not turn from our sin... And turn back to God. Now fortunately, let's get away from this point. God gives us the antidote through the words of Amos. America must seek God. I love this is the heart of Amos' message this morning. Instead of continuing in our sin, instead of seeking these things that are apart from God's will and apart from God's way of doing things, Amos is telling us we have to seek God Himself as individuals, as a people. And this is a fundamental truth that we tend to forget over time. God tells Israel, again through Amos, seek God and live. In other words, don't seek all these other things that you've been chasing after, that you've been living in, that lead to destruction. Seek God. Who said something very similar to this? Jesus reiterates this very truth when he tells his followers that our first priority in life is not to seek our own little kingdom. Several times he has to look at his disciples and remind them, you're not to seek after the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. You're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. I wonder if people like Amos could come and just kind of survey our situation. 
Just come and visit for a while and look at what our society is doing. Pay attention to our culture. If it just flipped on our TV for half an hour, what would he have to say? I think maybe in our history there's been times that we as a people have sought God's kingdom you know, much more than we do now. Maybe we've done pretty well with that in the past. But I'm afraid that today, as is, is, is Amos said, the days are now evil. One of the first things that we seek and that our culture is consumed by, three quick things I want to mention to you, is self-absorption. We are so selfish as a people. It's all about me. It's all about my desires. It's all about what I want. It's all about what's going to make me happy. What does not challenge me or make me uncomfortable. It's all about me. Everything that we do in our society for the most part is to further self in some way. Selfishness is so antagonistic to the gospel of Christ. But we live in a very, very selfish society. Our society also seeks sinful affirmation. We say, if I have this desire, or if I have this tendency towards this sinful thing, society says, you don't need to pray about that. One time we probably did. But now we don't say you need to pray about it. We don't say you need to suppress that or or talk to somebody about that. What do we say? We say, you need to find affirmation for that. You need to affirm that sin. And if you don't affirm my sin, then you must hate me and be my enemy. The Apostle Paul warned us of this. And I think we've reached this point today that we no longer refute sin. We no longer even hide sin. But as Paul says, we suppress the truth. And what do we do as a society? We actually celebrate sin in the streets of our nation. And seek to affirm that sinful behavior. And it leads to this last thing. We as a society are seeking a sweeping apostasy. And what I mean by that is we as a people, we tend to want, if you just turn on the news, we want to see a broad sweeping change across our land where we do away with morals, we do away with the truth, we do away with religion, we do away with true freedom. And if we can, we're going to cancel the past because it even challenges us the way that we think today. And if you got anything to challenge the status quo or, or say something against that, we're going to censor you. And everything that you say, even if it's true, we're going to label it as hate speech. Because we don't want to hear it. And folks, if we continue down that same road that others have gone down before, that even God's people went down, then we're going to experience the same fate as many of these other nations. Many have tried these ideas of government that we have not given into. They've tried some of these ideas for society that so far we've not completely given into. But if we do, then we're going to have a hard road to hoe as a people. God says, turn from that. Seek Him. Those words in verse 4, I want you to understand, they're not just God's message to Israel. They're not just God's message to us today. Those words in, 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 four, in verse 4 right there, they capture God's heart for all of humanity. That if people would just turn to Him, to seek Him, they could live. And even though He hates our sin, and He's ready to punish that sin, and, and rightfully so, His heart's desire is us for us to repent from that sin... Turn to Him and be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now number three is another tough pill to swallow because Amos doesn't just stop at that. He points out all these mistakes that His people have made. 
And I'm going to be very honest this morning, folks. Third point is America makes mistakes. Now, I'm, I'm as red-blooded American as you'll find. But I understand that we're not a perfect people. Because I am not a perfect man. We are a nation that's made up of sinful people. Very much like we are a church made up of sinners saved by grace. Who are hopefully getting better over time. But we're not a perfect people. Now throughout our own history we've had times of self-correction. Where we've realized our, our sin as a people. And we've turned from those things. And repented from that. And thank God for those times. But now Amos points out. I like the list he uses. All these faults of national Israel. Such as taking advantage of the poor. Oppressing righteousness. Taking bribes. Depriving the poor from justice. Now if you list all those grievances out. Well that kind of hits home doesn't it? We're, we're guilty of a lot of these. For example let me just ask you this. I'm going to be very, very real with you this morning. How much easier is it to achieve justice if you're not poor? In our justice system. Flip that around. How easy for it, How easy is it to escape justice if you're got a little money. You can literally get away with murder if, if you want to. We make a mockery out of real justice just like they did so many years ago. And, and where innocent can be found guilty without any proof. Where those with enough influence and power and money can get away with anything they want to. And Amos says again, if you continue going down this path, if you continue down this road, there's going to be a price to pay. He says all of this wealth that you've accumulated, all the wonderful things that you have built, and we have a lot of wealth and we have a lot of wonderful things in our nation today. But Amos is telling them, he says, all this stuff, because of your sin, you're not going to be able to enjoy it because judgment's coming. And as a people, I feel like we've escaped God's, just, God's judgment for a very long time. And I'm so thankful for His grace throughout the years and His continual blessing over us. But folks, I just keep feeling like we're so more deserving of whatever punishment we get these days. When you look at where our society is as a whole, it scares me. I haven't had television for a while. And when I go to the hotel or something and I turn on the TV, I just wish I wouldn't do it. Because I see commercials and I see things that are just so in your face today that five, ten years ago, you wouldn't hear about it. Just think about in the past, I don't know, five years how much farther and faster we as a society have plunged into darkness and depravity. We're not perfect. We're a great nation. But we are far from perfect. So what's to be done about this? I, want to, I like how Amos concludes this passage. It's what I want to leave you with this morning. It's very simple. It's what mom and dad, grandma and grandpa used to tell us. We just need to be good. America must be Good. Just be good. It's easy, right? I will always do my part to make our nation a better place. To make Barberville a better place. To make our church a better place. 
But I've come to understand that America does not have to be great. If she's not, and God, I pray that we never reach this point, but if we cease to be what we are as a nation, history is going to go on. The global economy is going to find a way to continue on. God's plan will continue on. I believe the gospel will even go forth to the nations if we're not in the picture. But America can never be great without being good. Many have said throughout history, and I think they're exactly right, that America is great because America is good. And should she ever cease to be good, she will cease to be great. I think Amos would agree with that sentiment. What America needs more than anything is for us to be good. Amos says when it's all said and done, here's my conclusion. Pursue good and not evil. Hate evil and love good. Somehow in our society, we've got those flipped around, haven't we? Where we pursue evil and we hate good and we love evil. What America needs, folks, is not to just be a great nation again. It's not to be built back better again. What America needs is to be good and to be godly. We need good men and good women who are going to stand for their faith in Christ. And godly men and godly women who are going to stand firm on the Word of God. And then we need those good, godly men and women to raise up good, godly families because if we're going to seek God as a nation and if America is going to be a good people and a godly nation, it has to have Americans who are good and who are godly and are seeking God's kingdom above anything else in life. Now, this is a tough message to preach. I, didn't, I, I normally like the 4th of July, but I wasn't looking forward to getting up and preaching from the book of Amos this morning about how awful we are. We're not awful. But we do have some work to do. And I think if our nation's going to change, it's going to take Christians. It's going to take the people of God who work that change out in our society. This was a tough message for Amos to preach. But what I want you to understand is if we're going to change the direction back in our country, folks, it's not going to be the government that does that. It's not going to be a president, however good he may or she may be, that does that. The, the change, we'll call it the, the revival, if you will, that we pray for, that we yearn for, that we seek after, it's not going to start in the courthouse. It's honestly not going to start in the church house. It's going to start in your house and your family. So I want to ask you this as we close this morning. This is Amos' point. It's all about seeking God and seeking Him first. Are you seeking God first in your life? Or are you still seeking your kingdom? Or something else? Are you putting God first in your home? Putting God first in your family? Because the thing that God wants more than anything else for you today is to turn from whatever selfish way of living and thinking that you're doing and turn to Him wholeheartedly. 
And if you've never done that and you've never been saved, that's what God wants for you today. I wish, I always sit in the pew sometimes thinking, I wish the preacher just tell me what God wants for me. God, first and foremost, wants you to be saved this morning through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are saved, He wants you to stop living whatever selfish way you're living and seek Him with all your heart. Now, as you can stand as we close. As we prepare this morning to celebrate not our freedom as Americans, but our freedom in Christ. As we prepare to go to the Lord's table this morning and remember and celebrate the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross, I want to ask you to do this. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would examine your heart this morning. Because all the good that we need to happen, that's where it's going to start, is in your heart and in your mind. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we come to you today, God, we are so thankful. God, please understand, we're not putting down our nation and our people. We love this place. And we understand that you have blessed us beyond measure to live here. And to raise our families here. And to worship you here. God, how many people across the the world cannot come and gather and worship you openly like this? God, if we wanted to, we could pour out into the street this morning and sing the praises of Jesus. Thank you for that. But God, in, in many cases, we've kept our mouths closed too long. We have disengaged from our culture. We've disengaged from government as Christians. And God, I pray that you would put it it on our heart to be the influencers in all these different arenas. Give us a godly president. Give us godly people, even at the local level. And God, use us in our homes, in our families, in our places of work, all around our communities to make a difference for Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. This morning as we sing a song of invitation and as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper, if you want to just come this morning and pray, why don't you come as we sing? And If there's a decision that you need to make this morning, why don't you come and share that with us?
be seated for, for a moment. As we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I'll have the deacons go ahead and you can begin making your way up and, and getting ready. And the way we've been doing this is, is there will be someone at the front of each section and someone will come along and they'll tell you when it's your, your time to stand up. You'll make your way to your right. You'll come back around and get the elements. Take those back to your seat and just kind of go right in a circle that way. And then once everybody's got it, we'll take it all together and we'll celebrate together. Let me pray for us and, and we'll get started with this, with the Lord's Supper. Father, we, we thank you. God, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for giving us the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, who gave his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for our sins that we could be saved. God, we give this time to you and thank you for this act of worship that you've initiated for us to remember this sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.